Hello, this is Pastor Daniel Cruz. Thank you so much for downloading our podcast. I enjoy spending this time with you, and I hope that this message series entitled Power of All blesses you. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask that we come to the Lord in prayer, then we're going to dive into the Word of God, and we're going to have fun in God's Word. Somebody say amen. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord God, and I ask that you think through my mind and speak through my vocal cords. I ask you to send the kind of anointing that makes preaching and teaching easy. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that as I speak to the crowd, you speak to the individual, and that, God, your word would go forth and not return back void in Jesus' mighty name. I ask you, Father, that as the word of the Lord goes forth, the chains would begin to fall, that Dear God, people will begin to feel, dear God, freedom in certain areas of their life. Your word is spirit, and it is life. And so, God, I pray that as I'm speaking, life is imparted. Life into your body. Life into every individual. Life into families. Life into into, into the children, to the adults, into, into the elders. In the name of Jesus Christ, somebody say amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Whenever we talk about the people of God, it's interesting because we oftentimes don't realize that the Bible was written from a Jewish perspective. Everybody say a Jewish perspective. In fact, the Bible was written from a Jewish mindset, a Jewish mindset. Not a Greek mindset, but a Jewish mindset. Of course, the Apostle Paul was given the opportunity and given the privilege and the honor to take the gospel to the Greeks. And he did so, and he did so faithfully. One of the things, however, that the Greeks had a difficulty in dealing with was the fact that the principles of the Word of God did not come from a Greek mindset, nor did they originate from a what is known as a Hellenistic mindset, but from a Jewish or Hebraic mindset. And I want your minds as we go and dig a little deeper in this area. Is there an amen? All right. In other words, a lot of times we do a disservice to the body of Christ or to Christians in the Western Hemisphere. In the West, we usually preach the gospel and we preach it from this particular verse. Watch. In John 3.16, how many of you know John 3.16? I think even non-Christians know about John 3.16. Why? Because it says what? Go ahead. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso ever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and that is the gospel in a nutshell the love of God being expressed to lost humanity and salvation accessed through the one and only son of God Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross and that's an amazing place to start however it begins to do something in the mind of the Westerner when we begin our experience with God from that particular mindset. Because that particular mindset, listen to me, is this, says this, God loves you. And because God loves you, you begin to expect a whole lot. I am the focal point. I am the focal point. It's really about me. And we don't realize that oftentimes with a Hellenistic or Greek mindset, we slip into this idea that it really is about me. And that it's, it's God loves me. God promises me. And so on and so forth. And what the problem with beginning our walk in God from that mindset is that we always tend to feel entitled. In the church, we're entitled. What is the church going to do for me? 
Are you listening to me? And individualism, which by the way, is at the root of the Hellenistic mindset, the Greek mindset, is individualism. Individualism. The Hellenistic mindset or the Greek mindset doesn't think about us. It thinks about me. Are you listening to me? And if we are going to impact Chicago, and if we're going to carry out the mission and the assignment God has given this church, Faith World, we have to transition out of a Hellenistic mindset into a Jewish mindset. Are you listening to me? And I'm going to make this abundantly clear as we go along. Is that all right? Praise the Lord. Now, the Greek or the Westerner is taught from the very beginning, God so loved you. But the Jews, and even if they are Messianic Jews, don't begin with that particular mindset. The mindset they begin with is this. Watch this. And it's a totally different mindset. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Can you put that up, please? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And when you, when you have Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, just say amen, somebody. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Glory to God. Are we getting that verse? Okay. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, what does it say? Oh, wait, wait. What does it say? Notice the difference. Watch. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says this. You shall what? Love you shall love the Lord your God with all of your what? Heart, with all of your what? Soul, and with all of your strength. Notice the difference. Notice the difference. John 3, 16 says what? God loved you. But the Jews begin with, ever since they're little children, the first verse the first biblical principle that the Jewish fathers and mothers teach their children is not that God loves you. The first principle they learn is, I must love God. Let's give the Lord a clap offering right there. It's, I must love God. Okay? See, in the Western, with the Western mindset or the Hellenistic mindset, it's God loving me. Now, does God love me? Absolutely God loves you. But that's not where we are called to begin. Why do we teach that first? When we're really supposed to be teaching, you need to love God. You need to love God not just with a little part of you. You need to love God with... Everybody say all. all. Say it again. All. all your what? All your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Listen to me. That speaks of spirit, emotion, and physical. Are you hearing me? In other words, God wants you to love Him, and we must teach our children to love God. It's not just that love God loves us. Yes, that is no doubt a fact, but we must teach our children. We first begin with loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. That's where we begin. And folks, in the Western world, that's what we have to return back to. It's not about you. It's about Him. When you don't understand that first it's about Him, you will not understand serving. You will not understand giving. You will not understand obedience, submission to leadership. You will not understand any of that when it's all about you. Are you listening to me? 
When it's all about you, we don't understand mission. Because you, you're basically out for yourself. It's an individual thing. I am important too. Are you listening to me? I'm important too. Now watch this. And, 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 and I want to break this down. And please, what I want you to do in the next few moments as I begin to go through this and unwrap this, I want you to grade your own paper. I want you to evaluate your mind. And evaluate your approach and your predisposition, if you will. In other words, I want you to think, what have you been operating in? A Hellenistic mindset or a Jewish, more biblical mindset? Is there an amen? Yes? Let's move on. Now watch this. This is, this is powerful. How does the Jewish person respond to the Word of God as opposed to a Hellenist? or a Greek mindset of approach the Word of God. Watch this. How do you respond to the Word of God? The Jews obey the Word. When you're Jewish, you're, you are, listen, when you are operating from a biblical, a Judeo-biblical mindset, you think to yourself, I must obey God. The Greek doesn't think, I must obey God. Or obey his word. This is what the Greek believes. Obey the word when it's convenient. How do I know that we have a lot of Hellenistic mindsets in the church? Because a lot of us think to ourselves, I will obey the word when it's convenient. In other words, I will obey, I will pick and choose what I obey. I'll obey this and I'll obey that, but tithing I will not obey. I'll obey this and I'll obey that, but loving my enemy, that I will not obey. I will obey this and I will obey that, but doing this I won't. So you pick and choose and so what you end up with is a hodgepodge. Listen to me. A hodgepodge of Various things you obey and various things you don't obey. Why? Because the Hellenist or the Greek mindset thinks, thinks this way, I'll obey God's word when it's convenient to me. Is there an amen in the house? Is that all right? Let's move on. For the Jewish mindset, the Bible is God's command. The Bible is what? God's command. For the New Testament church, the Bible was God's command. Is there an amen? But for the Greek mindset, the Bible is information. And so you read the Bible for information. You don't read the Bible as it being God's command to you. You read the Bible more as information. What does God say about this? What does God say about that? What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? And then you determine whether you're going to obey that or not. Now watch this. A, the, for the Jewish mindset, I adjust my life to obey the Word of God. I adjust my life to obey the Word of God. But the Hellenist thinks this way. I adjust the Bible message to fit my life. I adjust God's message to my life. I don't adjust my life to the Word of God. Is there an amen in the house? How about church participation? How does it differ the Jewish mindset to the Greek mindset as it relates to church participation. Well, for the Jew, church participation meant intimacy. Whereas for the Greek mindset, it was an impersonal experience. It's not a personal, intimate experience with you and God. It's more an impersonal one. So you have a lot of people in our churches in America that come to church 
They'd never connect. They, part, they sing along and participate in certain things, but they never have an intimate relationship with God. Are you hearing me? And, do, and they do not have an intimate relationship with the church or the body. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now watch this. What about leadership? Well, for the Jews, leader, the leader imparts. But for the Hellenist, the leader gives information. This is just information we're getting from the leader. Members are unified in the Jewish mindset, whereas members look for position in the Hellenistic mindset. For the Jew, listen, for the Jewish believer, members are unified. It's, it's about all of us. Is there an amen? Whereas for the Hellenist, it's not about all of us, it's about the position I can get, where I can be positioned, and then I operate based on that position, but it's really about my position, and it's really about my ministry, and you have no regard for the rest of the body. Are you listening to me? And so we have a problem oftentimes in the body of Christ because of those Hellenistic mindsets that creep into our leadership. We have to teach this out. We have to teach this out of the church. Everybody say, teach it out of the church. Come on, say it again. Okay. Um, what about fruit bearing? With the Jewish mindset, fruit bearing speaks about uh, accepting one another. That's part of the fruit of a Jewish mindset. We accept one another. With the Hellenists, though, it's isolating others. You're isolating others. You don't, you know, you, you, you separate rather than come together. Um, with the Jewish mindset, if one hurts, we all hurt. If one makes it, we all make it. With the Hellenist mindset, listen to me. If he makes, makes it, the Hellenist thinks, why him? Why her? Why was she in charge? Why wasn't I in charge? That's a Hellenistic mindset. The Jewish mindset says, let's get the work done, no matter who does it. Because if we can get the work done, we'll accomplish something. But the Hellenist mindset is always in competition with one another. As a matter of fact, listen to this carefully. Um, The fruit of sacrificial serving for the Jew is just that. They sacrifice and they serve. Whereas for the Hellenistic mindset, serving, they serve for recognition. See, the Jews will serve and sacrifice. They'll sacrifice. But the Greek, if he's going to serve, he's going to serve and at the root, it's to be recognized. I'm going to do this, but I want to do this to be recognized. The, 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 the Greek is always looking for recognition. And you have to grade your own paper, my friend. And you have to be honest with yourself. Don't lie to yourself. The worst kind of lie is when you lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. You know if what you do, you do for position or to be recognized. And you know how you know that? If you remove your position, then you feel deflated, unmotivated, you don't wanna go on, you don't even wanna show up, why? Because your position was removed, thus your recognition is removed. Are you listening to me? We have to get to the point in our church, if we're going to do what God has called us to do, where we don't hold on tightly to positions. We don't hold on tightly to, to anything that has to do with uh, uh, titles and so on and so forth. Are you listening to me? 
I like what this one pastor uh, told me once, uh, and it's a pastor in Singapore, and they said that in their church in Singapore, uh, they will have people in pastoral positions, and they're known as Pastor so-and-so, Pastor, you know, Bill or Bob or Juan or whatever, Troy, whatever the case may be. And what ends up happening is this. They will, in order to gauge the heart of the person, to make sure they're not in, slipping into a Hellenistic mindset, the following year the pastor could say, okay, uh, you're no longer going to be pastor over this or whatever the case may be. We're, we're putting this person to see how that person responds. If that person gets disgruntled, feels like they want to leave the church, they feel like rejected and dejected, then they have been operating in a Hellenistic mindset as opposed to a Jewish mindset. Let me ask you a question. What were to happen if you had a, have a position in this church and your title was removed next week? Watch this. And it was given to someone that you've been working and has been working under you. Now they are working over you. We have to, folks, we have to examine our heart. Because we're talking about the power of what? The power of what? The power of what? It's not the power of you. It's, it's the power of all. Is there an amen? We can clap. But the test is really when you find yourself in that position where pastor says, you know, we're going to put this person in charge this year and uh, we're going to give them an opportunity to grow. Is there an amen? 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 Everybody shout, the power of all. Amen? All right. Um, so, with the Jewish people, hear me, with the Jewish people, leaders are raised up. With the Hellenist, or the Greek, leaders are hired. With the Jewish mindset, leaders are raised up in the church. Whereas with the Hellenist, leaders are what? Hired. There are churches, by the way, that hire all their, that, that hire all, any pastoral people, they don't raise them from within, they hire them from without. And you're always having an influx of different people that are hired from without. Those that have gone to cemeteries. I mean, I mean seminaries. <laughs> Those that have gone to, 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 to seminaries. Are you hearing me? And just because they've gone to a seminary, then they're qualified to come in and to lead a people they don't even know? And to operate within a church culture they have no clue about? Is there an amen? That's where individualism kicks in and shifts gears to fifth. Fifth gear. You walk into a church, you're not akin to the culture of that church, the people you didn't grow up you, with, the families you didn't hear, the stories you didn't see, the weeping at the altar you didn't, you didn't experience, their, their situations, their crisis, and so on and so forth, and then you come in and try to lead them? The Jews understood that the best way to lead people and raise leaders is from within. You raise leaders from within. Is there an amen? Glory to God. So let's move on. Um, the, Jews will, the Jews usually produced mature 
Christians, whereas the Greeks produced immature Christians. Okay. Because of these, the mindset of the Jewish believer was what? It was one of teamwork. All of us. Whereas the mindset of the Greek was personal achievement. Personal achievement. Um, with the Jews, it's partnering together. We're better when we are together. Is there an amen? Whereas the Jews, uh, the Greek thinks of working alone. Working alone. Is there an amen in the house? The Jew thinks what is best for all of us. The Greek thinks what is best for me. What is best for me. The, the emphasis of the Jew is us, we, all. The emphasis of the Greek believer is me, my, mine. Big difference. And so this is the problem. In the church, the reason why many churches have not accomplished the mission God has given them to accomplish, or the reason why the vision to reach a community or to reach a region begins to be affected and slowly dissipates is because the people were not operating with a biblical Judeo-Christian mindset, but they were operating with a worldly, Western, Greek, Hellenistic mindset. Let me tell you something about marriages. Everybody say marriage. marriage. Say it again. Marriage. One more time. Marriage. Marriages start, when they come to the altar, they start with a Jewish mindset. I make a covenant. That's a Jewish mindset. I make a covenant with you and you with me. I promise to do this, 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 and this. To be there for you, to love you, to no matter what good times, bad times, through ups and downs, through whatever life gives and whatever life takes away, I am here for you. That's a Jewish mindset. The problem with many marriages in America is this. They enter into marriage with a Jewish mindset, but they try to, they try to live it out with a Hellenistic mindset. And so what ends up happening is this. They go from the Jewish covenant of I will be with you through good times and bad times, through ups and downs, sickness and health, to now living together and thinking, well, that's not what I think. No, it's not just about you. It's about me too. See, it's not about us. It's not about us. Now it's about you and it's about me. Come here, sweetheart. The Jewish mindset says, I'm with you through good times and bad times. The Jewish mindset says, I am in covenant with her and her with me. We are in this together. And so we make a covenant and stand before our friends and family and we make a covenant to be with each other through good times and bad times. But then when we wake up on Monday morning, now it's about me and she feels it's about her. That's Hellenistic. If this is going to work, we have to continue to work together and think about things together. How is my decision going to affect her, not just me? How is her decision going to affect me, not just her? Are you listening to me? 
if I'm going to be hanging out with my buddies, I need to think, how is this going to affect us? Us. Is there an amen? If she's going to be hanging out with her buddies that she used to hang out with, her girlfriends when she was single, are you listening to me? Then how is that activity going to affect us? Is there an amen? Come on, somebody say amen to that. Okay, we can't think as individuals. And then we always say, well, that's how I was. That's how you married me. You knew this when you married me. No, hold on a second. Who you were before you got married had to die at the altar. Because now it's not about you, and it's not about me. Now it's about us. Is there an amen? Let me tell you what happens when we, when we keep a Hellenistic approach to marriage. The children don't know who to go to. The children don't know who to go to because there is no uh, oneness in the marriage. And because the kids know there's no oneness in the marriage, they don't know who to go to to make a, a, a decision, a final decision, and so on and so forth. Is there an amen in the house? Thank you, sweetheart. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. Now, we're, we're, we're beginning a series entitled The Power of All, but if we don't understand that we have to shift our mentality and our mindset from a Hellenistic individual, individualistic mindset to a, it's about all of us, then we're not going to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. Is there an amen? Listen to what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches in the New Testament. It teaches about the power of... It teaches about the power of? The Bible says they were all in one accord. That doesn't mean that they were in a Honda. They were all in one accord. In other words, they were all in unity. They were all together. They were all in harmony. Is there an amen? All of them were in harmony. Somebody say amen to that. The Bible teaches constantly throughout the scriptures about the power of all. The Bible talks about that the Holy Spirit fell upon all of them. Is there an amen? All of them. And what God wants to pour out over this church, He wants to pour out over your family, over my family. Is there an amen? Listen to me. Listen to me. God doesn't want us to go to church just to be a part of a gathering, but you are not a part of all. In other words, you're there, but after service, you disconnect, you leave, there is no community, there is no communion, there is no, there is no getting to know the people that are worshiping with you. Is there an amen? Listen to me carefully. Every single one of you here, hear me. God has called us, especially this year. He called us this year to build something. To build a ministry, to build a church. That, it, listen, that is not for you. To build a church that really is for all of us. Watch this now. And it's, and it's a church that is going to affect your legacy. Your children. Is there an amen? Somebody say amen to that. God wants, God wants you to build, and he's called us to build in this season, but it's not going to be something we can do as individuals. We have to shift from a Hellenistic mindset to a Jewish mindset. Somebody say amen. So that's very, very vitally important. Somebody say vitally important. Now, Everybody say the power of all. The power of all, listen to me carefully, is the strength, the might, the dominion, the ability that is exercised and is evident when a unified group of individuals work together collectively and collaborate toward the same goal with the same mind, the same intention, the same strength, 
and the same commitment. That's the power of all. In other words, what God has called us as a church to accomplish, he didn't just put it on your shoulders, and that's the beauty of the power of all. God didn't expect you to do it on your own. Listen to me. God didn't expect you to do it on your what? On your own. He expected all of us to come together. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you about the power of all. Please follow me with this camera. I want you to listen to me very carefully. And this is powerful. When you come to a church and you're a part of a local body, God wants to bless you through the power of all. Because how many of you know that when you have teenagers, when you have children growing up in your family, a lot of times you are at a loss by yourself. You've done everything you know to do. Did you hear me? And a lot of times to our children, our advice, our counsel to our children begins to sound like this. Is there an amen in the house? And so we're constantly telling our children where they should not go, who they should not hang out with, and begin to tell them where dangers are and so on and so forth. But when we operate in a ministry that understands the power of all, now I take a vested interest in your child. I take a vested interest in their well-being. When I see them on the hallway or in the hallway or, down, or downstairs or up here before or after service, I go up to them. And I not just say, hey, how you doing? But how are you really doing? Sweetie, how are you really doing? And when you know that the parent is struggling with the child's decisions and choices, the power of all obligates us. I said the power of all obligates us to come and to begin to deposit and to pour in and to begin to counsel and to begin to set up some time where we can sit together, go out for some coffee. Why? Because now it's not just you. And now it's not just me. We are operating in the power of all. And if you make it, I make it. If your child succeeds, I succeed. My children have a better chance of succeeding. Why? Because what I do for your child, you do for my child. What I do for your child, you do for my child. Is there an amen in the house? Because we are operating in the power of But when we come to church and Robert over there, 16-year-old Robert has been going down the wrong path and we know it because we've made we've been made privy to it. But we do nothing about grabbing the kid, saying, come on, man, I'm going to pick you up tomorrow. Hey, talk to the parent. Can I pick him up? Just tomorrow I'm going to pick him up and stuff. I'm going to do some errands. Just want to hang out with him. Absolutely. You know how many parents here would relish The idea of you or someone doing that for their kids. But when we operate with a Hellenistic mindset in the church, it's about my family and that's it. As long as my family is sane, as long as my family is okay, as long as my family is, 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 is fine, then every man to himself every king to his own castle. But it's different when we begin to adapt a culture where everyone cares about each other because we are operating in the power of all. Is there an amen? I was telling some of the leaders recently, I don't want to walk up and down the aisles of this church and not know people. 
I want to know people. And if you're here today, I want to know you. I don't want to be some figure here on a stage that's just simply speaking to you from the Word of God. I want to know you, your dreams and your visions, your desires in life. I want to be able to pray with you and know your children by name. And I understand that as the church multiplies into the thousands and upon thousands of thousands, I know that it's difficult for me to get to know everybody. But we can, if we continue to nurture the power of all, then we build up a church and leadership is raised that gets to know everyone that is in the congregation. Is there an amen in the house? Is there an amen? I know about a pastor who has, believe it or not, has a million members in his church. A million members. How in the world do you pastor a million members? A million members. You know how many pastors he has? 10,000. So he has 10,000 pastors he pours into that will go and pour into the other 900,000. Are you listening to me? Uh, 990,000. The bottom line is that it's important for us to make sure we culture, we, we cultivate a culture of, in the power of all. Say in the power of all. Glory to God. And by the way, this is something that we need to unpack slowly. Is there an amen? Because if we run through this, uh, we're going to do ourselves a disservice. Now listen to me very carefully. We're building a building. And we have to all come together. But it's not about money. It's about legacy. Legacy. Somebody say legacy. Because if we think it's about money, well, let me just give, promise to give this, this, and that. And that's the extent of it. We've missed it completely. Because what... What we're building on Fullerton Avenue is for your children. And, and, and you have to tell your children, mom and dad, we gave to build this church so that you can find faith there and a relationship with God and your children can grow up there and your children's children. That's why mom and dad have given to build this church. You see, it's not Pastor Daniel's church. It is our church. Is there an amen? Somebody say amen to that. Glory to God. I'm going to ask for everybody to stand to their feet. Today was very basic. We can't grasp the power of all until we understand where are we operating from? Hellenistic or Jewish? Hebraic or Greek? What, how are we operating? When we come to church, do we come to church with the idea of belonging to a family or just simply participating in a group? We have to get out of the idea that we are participating in a group. You cannot come to Faith World for more than a week or two and not begin to know people by name. Is there an amen in the house? It's important for us to get to know everybody by name. Let me tell you what I used to do when I first started the church. Back in 1991, you dinosaur. Back in 1991, when we first started this church, I started with a small group of people. And they were all young people didn't have their heads screwed on straight. 
Most of them weren't even working. But I'll tell you one thing, we got them on fire for God. We got them on fire for Jesus. Let me tell you what I used to do. I used to always get together with them. And by the way, it was way before this. This is, uh, this is when we took our, this bowling alley there on Fullerton Avenue. It was called Maple Lanes. Anybody remember Maple Lanes? There you go. Maple Lanes. Uh, if you drove past Fullerton Avenue, it was an eyesore for a long time. And that was in 1999. We took that building and we converted it to this. Isn't that beautiful? Come on. Took that building, converted it to this. It took us about $900,000 to do that. And we did it. We did it with a bunch of zealous, on fire for Jesus, young people. Young people. And, and next week I'll show you, I have a picture of uh, all these young people with, with construction hats. And uh, a million, it cost us a, a close to a million dollars, but it didn't all come at once. It didn't all come at once. It was a four-year process. Four years. And in four years, God took this, this Puerto Rican young man that was wet behind the ears, didn't really know too much about building, and put him in a situation like that where I had no other choice but to believe God week for week, week by week, providing for us. But when we started the church, we started in Wicker Park. That was Fullerton Avenue. We actually started four or five years prior to this. No, actually, quite a number of years prior to that. Because we took the building in 95, we signed the lease. So about five years, we were doing ministry in Wicker Park. And I remember that I used to always get together with my group, the group of young people that we had. And we used to always be at IHOP, always be at Father and Son. So much so that they knew us already. But all that time of just sitting there in Father and Son and at IHOP, after every service, I was getting to know these people. They were getting to know me. I was getting to know them. We talked. We, we shared. We cried. We laughed. I was involved in their life heavily. They were involved in my life heavily. One day, I was preaching to these young people. And they had stopped giving to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. If you want to know a man's reflection, the heart, and his love for the Lord, look at his giving and the priorities in his life. They had all stopped giving. They had been buying a lot of things and spending a lot of money on themselves and so on and so forth. And the church, there was no giving. And we had already taken this building. And I was so heartbroken. Every time I would go to the treasurer and they would tell me, Pastor, I don't know what's going on, but the people are not giving. And we can't do anything if the people, don't, if their heart is not in this thing. And I remember that I stood in front of the church. Listen to this, Dennis. I stood in front of the congregation, all these young people. And I said, you know what? God has called us to build on Fullerton Avenue. And no one here is, is, is honoring the Lord with what God's word says in giving. And I said, so you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm sorry, but I'm not doing this. And I put down the microphone, and I walked out of the church. 
I heard later that they were all in shock. I didn't do that because I was looking for a response. I did that because I was young, a young pastor. I had been trying to do everything I knew to do. And then I end up walking out, and I go home. I get in my car and drive home. I left the congregation there. And I know that that's unconventional, and I know that that's not typical, and that's something that maybe you've never even heard of before. But that's what the Lord instructed me to do. Put down the microphone and walk out. When I walked out and I went home, I went home and I arrived there at about 9.30. At 11 o'clock, every one of the young people there had arrived at my house. They were weeping, tears. They threw their arms around me, and they said, Pastor, forgive us. We want, we're in on this. We are in this together. We're going to make this happen. Whatever we need to do, please forgive us. But we need you back behind that pulpit. We all wept. We all cried. And the following Sunday, we picked up where we left off. But I'll tell you one thing, the church was never, that group of young people was never the same again. Are you listening to me? Everybody say, the power of all. Say it again. Of all. Is there an amen? God has called us to care for one another, to love you. Enoch. I'm so happy to see you, man. You don't know. You don't know. This is the beginning of a new year. Some of you are here because you made a New Year's resolution to go to church. Some of you are here today because you made a New Year's resolution that come 2020, you're gonna get on track and you're gonna begin to go to church. Can I tell you, can I tell you that your biggest test was not the first Sunday. Your biggest test is going to be the Sundays after this one. And I encourage you not just to be a church attender, but to be a part of the family. Let us grow with you. Let us encourage you. Is there an amen in the house? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are beginning to lead us through a dialogue exploring the power of all. And God, I ask you in the name of Jesus that as we continue to come here Monday, Sunday after Sunday and get together on Thursdays for prayer, that you're going to begin to knit our hearts together like never before. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing the work in us and from bringing us to a place where we understand the power of all. That we're not called as individuals, but that we're called as a body. Yes, you work with the individual, and you save the individual, but then you connect us to a body. And you say that each one of us brings to the table something. Each one of us blesses the body and nurtures the body and so help us dear God to gravitate out of an individualistic Hellenistic mindset that is all about individual me my mine and move us all gravitate us all to a Jewish Hebraic mindset that it's all about us it's about all of us 
doing what you have called us to do in the power of all in the name of Jesus somebody say amen let's give the Lord a clap offering I want to uh, listen to me carefully before you before we dismiss I want to read something to you it's a prophetic word that was given by a gentleman his name is Joshua Gills and this is a prophetic word to me it's a major confirmation because I had just been talking about this very thing the day before so here I am talking about this subject the day before and then the morning after I get this prophetic word no doubt it was God and this is for you this is for you this is what the word of the Lord says God is resetting and healing you from the trauma of the last 10 years of your life this is a prophetic word for the church in 2020 amen God is resetting and healing you from the trauma of the last 10 years of your life 10 is a cardinal number representing law representing wholeness and order one of the reasons this year feels so significant is because it is also the transition into a new decade the way you start this decade will chart the course for the next phase of your life as we approach 2020 God is allowing unprocessed emotions wounds fear and experiences to resurface so that he can heal you it is imperative that you don't carry the last 10 years into the next 10 years says the Lord is there an amen so so the Lord spoke to my heart and said this word is going to begin to see its fruition this coming weekend God is going to heal the trauma of the last 10 years of your life God is going to heal the trauma of the last 10 years of your life somebody say amen to that somebody say that's for me hallelujah well father we thank you we ask that you bless us in the name of Jesus even as we get ready to dismiss and to leave this place in Jesus precious name we thank you for each and every person and we ask you Holy Spirit to work in each person in this place in Jesus mighty name right now I want to make a, an altar call uh, hear me and this call is for anyone who does not know Jesus as personal Lord and Savior now you may know him historically in other words you may have a mental knowledge of Jesus because of the stories you've heard because of the uh, reading the Bible or references to Jesus and so on and so forth and Christianity but Christianity is not a religion it is a relationship and so right now hear me hear me right now I'm gonna make a call why am I making a call because it is biblical to make a call Jesus said behold I stand at the door what door the door of your heart he says and I'm knocking and he says if you hear my voice do not harden your heart and so right now I'm going to ask you to invite Jesus into your heart you have to invite him in God is a gentleman he will not storm the doors of your heart he will not knock down the door of your heart and come in he has to be invited in and so right now I'm gonna ask you to say this simple little prayer anyone here who has not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives when I count to three I want you to repeat this prayer with me everyone else repeating along with them that are doing it for the first time come on one two three say Heavenly Father I recognize that I am a sinner and I have a need for a Savior Jesus that Savior is you I ask you right now to come into my heart forgive me of my sins 
Be my Lord and be my Savior from this moment on. Right now, write my name in the book of life. I thank you that because of this simple prayer, right now, I am saved. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you've subscribed in order to get our latest messages. And also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You know, it's always an honor and a privilege to come to you on a regular basis to deliver to you the life-giving Word of God. Until next time, God bless you.